Um, pastor Parks is a senior pastor at Greensboro Baptist in um, Greensboro Baptist Church in Greensboro, Maryland. In 2003, Pastor Richard Parks brought our pastor, Pastor Joel Kurz, <laughs> to, the, um, to Maryland from Florida. For the next five years, they worked together at Greensboro Baptist Church in 2008 when Joel was um, called to plant this church in Baltimore. Pastor Richard and Greensboro Baptist Church gave, their, gave Joel their full support, and Pastor Richard and his church have been our most faithful supporter to this day. So can we just at least stop here and just give an applause to Greensboro Church. Thank you. Um, Pastor Parks is married to Sharon Parks, and they have three grown children who each have families of their own. Pastor Richard's ministry has been marked with a love for and emphasis on the grace of God, and he is here for the first time in Garden History to teach us today. Pastor Richard, thank you for bringing Joel to Maryland and for your support of God's work right here in Baltimore City. Let's give him another warm welcome, Pastor Richard. Glad to see there's some light up here. You know, when you get a little older, your eyes get dim. <laughs> you just don't know how excited I am to be here today, and it's long overdue. I know uh, we really consider ourselves the mother church of this church. Uh, we were the sending church, I guess, to send Joel over here as a missionary to Baltimore. And uh, I tell you, it was a very hard thing for our people to, to leave, let Joel leave. Uh, some of you don't know, but uh, your pastor, before he came here, was just as loving and just as concerned about those that are down and out as he is here. Um, before he left, he had started work about a year, over a year, he had been working on a homeless shelter on the eastern shore right there in Denton. And uh, I gave a, pa a paper uh, to um, Dustin about the, I gave a little report on, it's called Winter Haven is the name of the uh, homeless shelter. And uh, when, when Pastor Joel left, he left all that in my lap because it was half finished. <laughs> so I really didn't appreciate that very much. But you know, God has really used that ministry. And I just want you to know your pastor had a great deal to do with that starting. And it's the third year now. Last year, they uh, actually had 869 nights where they helped someone that was homeless. Uh, if you, you know, take the, it's not that many people one night, but if it was 10 or 15 or whatever every night, it was three months that we had people there, and uh, we uh, took care of people for almost 900 people, so uh, you, can, you can tell Joel that uh, it's working, and uh, I appreciate that ministry, and, and uh, so, but I'm really glad to be here, and I know that our people back right now are getting excited because they love Pastor Joel and Jessica and the family, and they're excited about him coming to share with them. And I know this is long overdue. I, I wish should have been here sooner, but uh, as you well know, pa the pastor is, is, gets extremely busy. And uh, you may think that because we live out in the country, we don't have any inner city problems. We have the same problems on the eastern shore that you have. Uh, I do a lot of uh, counseling with addictions and different things that happen in our church and, and, and uh, teenage problems and all the different things that go with that. But... Uh, 
so I'm excited about being here. So if you take your Bibles this morning, if you would, and if you would turn, turn to the book of Exodus. What I really want to talk to you this morning about is healing. And I'm, not, and I'm really not here to talk to you so much about physical healing, although physical healing is extremely important in our lives. Uh, God has healed me uh, some seven years ago. I had a brain tumor the size of a large lemon. And I know that, that uh, if, if I say something strange this morning, you can forgive me because of that. But God has healed me. And every day is a gift from God that I have because uh, he has healed me. And he healed our daughter of rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis when she was little. Uh, Matt knows her, Anna. But uh, I believe in the healing power of God. But I'm telling you something. When you get healed physically, it only lasts for a few years. <laughs> then maybe 10 years or 20 years or when the Lord takes you home. But when you're healed spiritually and when you're healed emotionally, it, this is something that, it, that God does in a, in a great way that is a lasting thing that will last into all eternity. And so that's what I really want to talk to you about this morning. So if you would, uh, Exodus chapter 15, let's stand together in honor of God's Word, and we'll read a few verses together beginning in verse 22. In fact, I'm going to read verse 21 because it's important that we realize what just happened. Here in uh, uh, the, the, this, the song of Moses, and it says in verse 21, And Miriam answered them, Now this is just after... The Red Sea had opened up, and God had delivered His people. And they go through this, and then it says, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, He has thrown it into the sea. Now, if you go into the uh, Internet and you look up, you can see today some of the remnants that are there, pictures of the chariots of Pharaoh's army that they have actually gotten out of the Red Sea, and there was a strung all across there as God let the waters come down on his army. But see, now they're across the river, and they're getting ready to go into this desert wilderness and the promised land. See, it says in verse 20, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and, and said, If you diligently heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And the, and the Hebrew word there is, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much this morning for these people that are here. This is the Garden Community Church. And Lord, I thank you for how you have worked in this church in the last four plus years and, and how you have brought it to where it is today and, and the hardships that they have gone through. But Lord, I can see that you're working in the midst of these people. And I could see the smiles upon their face. 
And I can see in the foyer that they are not just sitting here on the pews, Lord, or in these chairs, but, Lord, they are going out into the community. And, Lord, they're taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for Pastor Joel. I pray, God, that you would undergird him and, and that all of his leadership here and all that are her, that together. I pray, God, that you would give them a great strength, Lord, your strength, that you would anoint them for ministry here in this place in Baltimore who desperately needs the gospel. And so, Lord, this morning, as we go into the Word, I pray, God, that you'll speak to some hearts here this morning, some hearts that need to be healed this morning. And so, God, we thank you. I pray for Pastor Joel as he lifts up the Word back in my home church. God, that you'll touch the hearts of many and lives will be changed because you are the one who changes hearts. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a seat, please. I don't know what it was like to have been Moses and to come across after that great, great victory and come into the wilderness and all of a sudden, they get into the wilderness. And can you imagine two and a half million people? And, and they, they come out, and all of a sudden, uh, they find out that, that there's no water. And they need some water. Two and a half million people. You know, God, God heal, heals physical wounds. I'm sure that many of you here have been healed physically. But God doesn't heal everyone. James 5, 14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up if he's committed sin. They shall be forgiven. The greatest healing is forgive us of sins. What we're really talking about this morning is the cross of Christ. We have a picture this morning of the cross. See, it's the responsibility here in James of the one who is sick to be healed, to call for the elders of the church. When we're sick, whether it's spiritually or whether it's physically or whether it's emotionally, it is our responsibility to call out to God. And anointing with oil and praying in the church says it heals the sick. You know, a lot of pastors go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 29 and 30 and they talk about the curse and the blessing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what you have to understand, God is the healer. But He does not heal everyone. There's times that we pray and people are not healed. You know that to be true. And times... And I think it's very cruel for some pastors to tell. I had a friend of mine in, in Florida who had been in a wheelchair for like 15 years, and he was paraplegic, and he was a wonderful Christian man. He loved the Lord with all of his heart. And a pastor walked up to him one day and said, if you had enough faith, you could get out of that wheelchair. And believe me, he had prayed many times, but it wasn't God's will for him to get out of the chair because God used that in his life to touch many, many people. He won many people to the Lord because they would listen to him because he had been through the great adversity that he'd been through. So God is the great, he knows, he is the father that knows what is best for his children. You say, Pastor, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think God will heal everybody. Thomas, in John 20, verse 29, Jesus was speaking to Thomas. And he said, Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, yet they do believe. 
Who do you think has the most faith? The man who prays week after week after week for healing and does not receive it, and yet he still believes? Job said in Job chapter 13, verse 15, Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. That's the attitude we need to have. It's not is how much God will give me, that that's how much I will give God. It's I give all of myself to God. And then whatever he allows in my life, there's a purpose because I am his child. I'm his child and he loves me. And you, I know several, a new baby was born this week, Dustin. And I know another one's coming soon, Matt. And those babies, when they, get, when they start to grow up, you will do what you think is best for that child. And sometimes what you do for that child will not be what they think is best. But God is a sovereign God of the universe. And we can trust Him with our lives. We can trust Him with our healing. We can trust Him with everything. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 20, Paul said this, Trophimus have I left at Miletus sick. Now, everybody knows the Apostle Paul, he, you know, he even had prayer cloth. He, he had the gift of healing. How cruel of him to leave Trophimus at Miletus sick. But he did. He left him there sick. Because it was God's will for, for, for Trophimus at that time to go through this testing and this time of sickness. I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask for healing. I'm not saying that at all. I definitely believe in the healing of God. But I'm, what I'm telling you is that we need to trust God for everything. We need to trust God with every part of our life. Not just healing. Because we have to know that He is all wise. He is the all-wise God that knows far better than anything else that's best for us, just as a father loves his child. But this morning, I want to talk about some healing that's deeper than physical healing. Physical healing lasts 10 years, 20 years, and then it's, it's gone because these bodies don't last. But spiritual healing, emotional healing, the seat and the center of the soul that healing lasts forever. I mean, you know, we're facing, and we're, I think we're in the latter days, and we're coming close to the time when there'll be a millennial kingdom, and a thousand-year reign of Christ will come upon this earth. And, and, and God is getting you ready because He says, we as the children of God, we will rule and we will reign with Christ for a thousand years. And God is preparing many of you for that ruling and reigning in that millennial period, whenever it comes. I don't know. The Bible doesn't give you. It says, no man knows the day nor the hour. But we do know the season. They cry, war, war. There'll be wars everywhere. And there'll be earthquakes everywhere. And divers places. Friends, it's, it's getting near. We're getting near to the end. But God made you with emotions. And there are hidden wounds in our lives. And there's pain in this life. And there's memories of abuse. Memories of being abandoned. Memories in school when kids made fun of you, maybe. Past hatred and prejudices and where, where we get the hidden wounds in our life. And many times it comes from those people that are closest to us, to our family or our friends or those close people that we work with or, or those at school. And Jesus said this, he said, the wounds I got, I got in the household of my friends. From friends, from society, from those nearest you, those that you go to school with, those that you work with, those that are in your family. Now there's two truths from this message this morning that I want to give you. Number one, everyone has wounds. Everyone. 
And number two, emotional wounds take much longer to heal than physical wounds. In Exodus 15, God wants the children of Israel to know Him in a very personal and special way. That's why God made us. God made us because He wanted a personal relationship with us. I tell many people they, when they tell you, why is the world in such a mess? If God really loved us, why are people hurting so bad? And I always tell them this, that God wanted someone to love Him who would choose to love Him. And He created man for man to love Him. And He knew that the only way that that love would mean anything is that man would have the choice to do so. And so He gave man a choice. And when He gave man a choice, man made some bad choices. Now, did that surprise God? No. But God so desperately wanted this intimate relationship with you and with me that He made this thing happen this way. Uh, how many of you here have, have a, a pet at home, a dog? Well, you're in a city. Nobody has dogs. <laughs> My goodness, three or four dogs. Well, you know, when you go home and you come to that dog and, and that dog has a choice, even that dog has a free will. And, and that dog can bite you <laughs> Or that dog can love on you. And that's what makes that relationship so special with that animal. And see, God, God wanted someone who would choose to love Him and have a special relationship with Him. And that's why He made man. He wanted, he wanted to have pleasure in that relationship. Well, God takes the children of Israel here out of slavery and bondage. It's a picture of what He did for us when He went to the cross. We're going to see this tree. They, they come to this water and they find the water and they try to drink the water and the water is bitter. It can't be drunk. And so God says, tells Moses, cut down a tree and cast it into the water. And they cut down this tree and they cast the tree into the water. And all of a sudden, all of the bitterness leaves this water and it becomes fresh and vibrant. And 2.5 million people drink of this water. That's a picture of the cross. That's a picture of of the cross that can take the bitterness of your life away i don't care what you've been through i don't care how much abuse you've had and i know believe me as a pastor i i, I counsel every day just because we're on the eastern shore doesn't mean there hasn't been abuse there's been much abuse sexual abuse physical abuse out there i see it every day but they murmured against moses and they said what will we do You've got to have water to live. And they cried out unto the Lord. In verse 26, God says, And I am the Lord that healeth thee, Jehovah Rapha. I am the God that turns bitterness into sweetness. You say, can God do that for me, Pastor? I've been abused. When I was a child, I was abused. I, I, my wife left me. I'm, I'm lonely. I'm by myself. I mean, there's been a lot of abuse in my life. Let's look at God's Word see what it says. Number one, if God is going to turn bitterness into sweetness in your life, the first thing that needs to happen is you have to reveal the offense. You have to reveal the offense. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 25, it says, And he cried unto the Lord, he cried out unto the Lord. You know, that's a, a real common phrase in the Bible. It's used many, many times. And they cried out unto the Lord. The lady that had the issue of blood for 12 years, she fought through the crowd and she did everything she could just to be able to touch the hem of it. And she was crying out. 
And the man at the pool of Bethesda that was blind and crippled, he, he, he cried out unto the Lord. James chapter 5, verse 14 says, If any is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. It's a crying out. The people are crying out to Moses. What shall we drink? Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 39. Then Moses cries out to the Lord on their behalf. So you're never going to get well unless you face the feelings and unless you face your past and you face the pain and you have to cry out. David the psalmist said in Psalm 39 verse 2, I was dumb, I was mute with silence and I held my peace even from God and my sorrow was stirred. And verse 3 says, My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my voice, my tongue. What's David saying here? He's saying that holding on to my hurts and holding on to my pain and not allowing God to expose it and to deal with it and to heal it in my life, it, it, becomes, it becomes burning in my chest and it brings, it brings pain and it brings hurt and brings scarring and it will fester and it will turn into bitterness. And you'll get worse instead of better by hanging on to it. I know many of you, if you come in here, you might be young. Sharon, my wife, you know, Sharon, would you raise your hand? This is my wife. I meant to introduce her. She she's feels uh, really out of place because she's the Cherokee Indian, and they don't go to the city. Glad you're here, darling. But anyway, 40-plus years, we've been blessed to be together. God has blessed me with a wonderful wife that prays for me all the time. But see, a lot of times we use up a tremendous amount of emotional energy, and we get tired and we get weak, and we get worn down, and there's resentment, and there's guilt, and there's bitterness, and it's all from the past, and from past situations. And we don't have enough energy present that we, that we, that we, don't, we can't even face the future because we get so tired. But we live in a fallen world, and abuse of all kinds are rampant, not just in Baltimore, but all over our country, there are people that are, that are scarred by the past and, and what Satan has done to, to get their thinking totally that God doesn't really care, that God doesn't really love you. We try to escape the pain. And we do it with pills. We do it with alcohol. We do it in all kinds of ways. We, we go everywhere but to God. Second thing you have to do is you have to be honest about your pain. God gave us pain as a gift. Did you know that? If I, have a, if I walk out of here in a few minutes and I have a heart attack, uh, thank God that there'll be pain. Because then I'll tell you to, to call 911. I think I'm having a heart attack. God's gift to us is pain. Sometimes when He gives us pain, He's trying to wake us up and let us know there's something that needs to be done. There's a change that needs to happen in our life, whether it's emotional pain or spiritual pain or whatever it might be. It's a warning. That something is wrong and needs to be fixed. Resentment and bitterness can build up inside of us. Well, that's what they did here. They cried out. And number three, you must be honest with yourself and you must be honest with God. It hurts. God, this is painful. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 53. The worst kind of deception is when you try to deceive God 
You know, some people are so good at deception, they, they can deceive themselves. But let me tell you something, you cannot deceive God. God will not be deceived. He is all-wise. He's all-knowing. He can't be deceived. He knows everything about you. You need to be honest with God and be honest with yourself. And Isaiah 53, verse 3 says, He, Jesus, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now stay here, and as I, I'm going to come back here in just a minute in this chapter. The, the, word, the Hebrew word there for acquainted is, is, is yada. It means, it means intimate knowledge, just like a woman and a man know themselves when they're married and they are intimate together. It's a, an intimate knowledge. God knows you intimately. Like I said a while ago, He wants to know you in a very close relationship. It's a, a close relationship. It's a heart relationship. And there's no one that understands you any better than God. He knows you intimately. If you're a child of God today, he makes it, it, it is His business to know your heart in a special way because He's working in your heart. Because when you accepted Christ, you accepted the Holy Spirit of God into your heart. And Paul says your heart was circumcised. Ephesians 1.13 says you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You don't just become a Christian today and then tomorrow you commit two or three sins and you're no longer a Christian. When you really truly in your heart make a decision for Jesus Christ, you're always a Christian. You become a child of God. It says old things are passed away. All things become new. Does that mean that you're sinless? No. Does that mean you struggle? You still, yes, you still struggle. But you're a child of God and He's there to help you in the Holy Spirit. Job said in Job 18, 4, He teareth himself in his anger. When, when, when we, we have anger inside from the past and from the pain of the past and from the abuse of the past and from those that have done you wrong, it says, he teareth himself in his anger. You know, we were talking about this coming over today. Uh, you know the, the uh, football player, uh, the Chiefs, from the Chiefs. What a tragedy. 25 years old. He's a, he's a starter. He's making great money. Everything should be great in his life, right? I mean, everybody here would, if you're a guy, you'd love to be the guy, wouldn't you? I mean, to have that and to be a starter on, on one of an NFL team, what a wonderful thing. But you know what I probably know about that situation? And I don't even know this man. In his past, there was pain. There was abuse. There was all kinds of things that probably went on in his life. And, and he had some anger that welled up and that anger become bitterness and in all that happened and in, in, a, in a minute of heat of anger he took this life of this young 22 year old this child almost it has his three months old baby i don't think he meant to do that at all but he had not gone to the healer he had not gone to jehovah rapha that heals him and in a moment his life is ruined and then he takes his own life the pain of the past when it's not dealt with. What I'm trying, the reason I've come here this morning to give this message is I know that many of you here have got past experiences that have molded your life. And Satan has used those experiences in your life to get you to think wrong about God and about God's word and about that God doesn't love you, but God does love. I'm here to tell you this morning that God loves you, that God cares about you. And the fourth thing here. You need to reveal your feeling. You need to be honest about your, you know, with God. But this is the fourth thing. The fourth thing is you need to release the offender. Pastor, 
I can't do that. They hurt me way too bad. There's no way I can release them. Well, let me tell you something. When you don't forgive, as a child of God, I'm not talking as children of God today. As a child of God, when you don't forgive, you are allowing that other person to control your life. Did you know that? You're allowing that person who has done evil things to you to control you. And God says you've got to release the offender. You can't harbor unforgiveness as a child of God. God heals physically, He heals spiritually, He heals emotionally. You're saying, God, why does this happen to me? See, God is not part of the problem. He is the key to the problem this morning. There comes a point in this process when you have to ask the question, do you want to get well? Do you want to get healed emotionally, spiritually, or do you want to get even? And let me tell you, getting even doesn't make it any better. It doesn't stop the pain. Back to Isaiah 53, if you look at verse 7, I told you to keep your finger in there. Did Jesus get even? This is what he said. He was oppressed. Jesus was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Jesus never got even. Jesus knew there's only one way to heal the heart, a broken heart. And he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus offered forgiveness. Let me ask you this morning. Are you willing to say, Father, forgive them? Are you willing to go back in time, in that situation that has scarred your life, Say, God, I can't do it, but would you please help me to forgive them? You say they don't deserve it. What do you deserve? What do I deserve? Every one of us here are sinners. And if you've given your heart to Christ, you're saved by the grace of God. It's by His grace that you've been saved. And if we don't forgive... We don't get forgiven. That's pretty harsh. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, Recompense or repay to no man evil for evil, but provide things honest in the sight of all men. And then verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. What did Jesus do on the cross? Who, when he was reviled, reviled not. <clears throat> not again. Reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to, the, to be judged, to, to him that judgeth righteously. Who in his own, with, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, watch this, by whose stripes you are healed. Turn with me to, uh, to uh, Psalm 56, if you would. The text here is being dead to sin. You can be made alive spiritually, alive to righteousness. By his stripes you're healed. 
God gives us a verse for the hurting verse in verse 8. If you look at Psalm 56 at verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? God numbers your wanderings, he says. He knows your pain and your sorrow. He puts your tears in a bottle. They are recorded in his book. You say, God has a book? Yes. He has three books. That's another message. There's a book of remembrance. There's a book of reward. There's a book of redemption. And every one of your tears has been recorded by God. When you shed those tears alone at night on your pillow, God knows that you're shedding those tears, and He cares. God says, I've kept every tear. I put them all down in my book, and they're precious to me. And there's a reason that we hold on to our pain. You know why? Because we think, preacher, if if I give this up, they're going to get away with it. The offender's going to get away with it. If I give this up, they're going to get away with it. No, God's going to remember this. He says, I'm going to remember it. I remember every bit of it. And they aren't going to get away with anything. He says, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Do you know when you get in the middle between God and when he's trying to take vengeance on somebody, guess what happens? It's like if we went out here right now and there was a really bad fight going on, and I tried, one day I did that, and I was in the mall, and it was a bad fight. Two girls were pulling their hair. I thought, they're going to pull their hair all out. They were pulling their hair out, big hands full of it. And I tried to stop the fight. Guess what? I got hurt. Let them, let them go. I tried. But see, when you get in the middle of God and his vengeance, that person that injured you years ago, God has a plan to, they're going to pay. Believe me, they will stand before God for what they have done to you. You need to forgive them so that you can go on in your life and that they don't control you anymore. Jesus had pain. He suffered more pain than any of us here, I think, ever suffered. You know, it's one thing to think of his head and his, his hands and nails and his feet and, and his side and Man, remember that movie some years ago uh, that they, I, I barely could watch it? Uh, what's the name of it? Help me. I'm an old man. Huh? Yeah, The Passion of Christ. Oh, I watch that every once in a while just to remind myself what he went through for me. But you know what the worst part is? What? When, it, when it got all dark and God's son turned, God turned his back on his son and, and he poured out all of my sin on the precious Lamb of God. I mean, a holy, perfect, he took my sin. Every, he took all of your sin, poured it out on him. And the pain, the spiritual pain, we, we, we can't imagine the pain that Jesus felt. He was in terrible physical pain, but, but he took all of my sin on that cross. He took everything that I had ever done wrong, and he took it so I could one day spend eternity in heaven with some of you. He did it for us. Jesus knew what it was like to be betrayed. He knew what it was like to be abused. He was abused. Why should you forgive? Because God has forgiven you. And all of us here need God's forgiveness. It's the only way you're going to get well. If you don't forgive, the root of bitterness will take over your life and control your life until you go to the grave. Listen, forgiveness is not a feeling. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. It's not pretending that you were not hurt. 
Forgiveness is not accepting what someone did to you as being right. Forgiveness is is not automatically trusting this other person. It is not relieving that other person of their responsibility. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Forgiveness is a medicine to cure resentment in your life and anger and and forgiveness. it, It is your decision. Only you can make the decision to forgive. It's one that you can make. Only you can make. And it's obeying God. Forgiveness is obeying God. See, I have so many people that come into my office and they say, I can't forgive them. And they think forgiveness is saying what they did to me was okay. That's not what forgiveness is. We all have in our mind that it's going to be, that we're just saying we've washed the slate clean and everything's fine. That's what forgiveness is. No, forgiveness is obedience to God. I'm not saying I can trust you. I'm not saying that what you did to me was right. But I've got to forgive you because my God says he forgave me and I have to forgive you. And that's what I have to do. Look at Matthew 6, 14. Verse 14 is a promise. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What a promise. Verse 15. But if we forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hebrews 12, 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many... Many will be defiled. It's not just about you. Your life is not just about you. As a child of God, God expects you to influence many other people. You know, I tell many people, the things in my past, my brain tumor, whatever I've had of adversity, testings I've had, God gave them to me for a reason. There's a book out by an old man, 81 years old, who wrote it, Don't Waste Your Sorrows by Paul Bilheimer. He wrote it when he was 81 years old. He said, Don't Waste Your Sorrows. The things that happen to you in life as a child of God are there for a purpose. And we can reach back. If I've been a drug addict and I've been saved by the Lord and I've been set free from that, I can do a much greater job of reaching back to that other drug addict and and helping them come to the place that I'm at because I've never been a drug addict. God has allowed sorrows in your life for a purpose. There's a plan for every one of you here that, that have given your heart to Jesus Christ. And it's that plan is not all about you. It says many will be defiled if you do not forgive. Your family, your friends. Look at this young man we just talked about. It's just not going to affect him what happened the other day. He's got a three-month-old daughter. He's got family. He's got a mother and father that probably loved him dearly. He probably was a good guy in a lot of ways because I don't think that he'd never probably done anything wrong much in his life. But he allowed the past and the bitterness and the anger that Satan took over in his life, and in a moment, a flash of this anger ruined his whole life because he wouldn't deal with it. It's important, my friend, that you deal with this anger and bitterness of the past. Somebody's got to break the cycle. <laughs> Many times I see it. Well, my dad was this, and my grandfather did that, and, and, it's all, and somebody has got to break the cycle. God will break the cycle in your family if you will but come to Him with a broken heart and do what I'm saying. Cry out to Him. Face the honesty. Be honest about the situation. Give it to God. Release them. If you don't release them, guess what? You're going to resemble them. (laughs) You'll become just like they are. When we don't forgive, we become just as bad as they are. 
Back to Exodus 15, if you had your finger in there. Verse 25, when they cried out to the Lord and showed them the tree. All kinds of the type. I said, this type here in the old, is an Old Testament type of the cross. And, they, and they, they showed him the tree. There's only one thing that, make, that can take the bitterness out of your life. There's only one thing that can take bitterness, this bitter water, and turn it into sweetness. And that is the cross of Christ. The injustice, the, 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 the abuse, the, the rejection, the ridicule that you've had at the cross of Jesus. The cross can take care of all those things. I want you to see this tree. The tree turns bitterness into sweetness. It turns anger into, and resentment into freedom. You know, the brain is an amazing thing. If right now I blindfolded one of you and I brought a rose up to you and I put it to your nose, you could probably say, oh, that's a rose. You know why? Because your brain recorded what that rose smells like. And many of you, some of you here that have been abused in the past, guess what? You can still smell. Sometimes you'll, you'll get a smell. I've had a man tell me, I smell this certain smell. And all of a sudden, all of this abuse comes back to me. If you've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. And see, the brain records that. And what happens is Satan takes that abuse and he records that in your brain. And he gets you to thinking that God doesn't care about you. That God, you start doubting God. And you start doubting the love of God. And Satan wins the battle for, in you. You've been told over and over, you're ugly or you're stupid. or I wish you were like your brother or all those terrible words. I hope you that are new parents, one thing that you do, don't ever speak to your children like that. Between you and God, never put down and, and tear the spirit of your child up. You should be, no, you don't ever, don't ever do that to your children. You can shut their spirit down. You can tear and do terrible emotional damage in your children by speaking to them like they're dogs. Love your children. God has given them a special gift to you. You know, we act on what we believe. What you truly believe is what you act on. And you need to believe this morning that God loves you. Turn this, I'm going to close with this. Ephesians chapter 1. If you'll go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And because of the time, I know I'm probably taking too much time, but when you go home, I want you to read these verses 3 through 8. I want you to read them it's real slow. And tonight, tomorrow, whatever for your devotion, maybe read these verses. If you've, if you've been abused and you've been mistreated in life and you have this past problems, because look here in verse 3. I'm just going to give you the points out of these verses quickly. He says, verse 3, you are blessed. Now, if you're a child of God, I'm talking to children of God. This is not... If you don't know the Lord, this doesn't pertain to you. But if you're a child of God, it says you are blessed with all spiritual blessings, verse 3. Verse 4, you are holy and without blame before Him in love. Verse 5, you are adopted as one of the children of God. Verse 6, you are accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, you have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins according to His riches and His grace. In verse 8, He hath given you all wisdom and understanding. That's who you are. If you're a child of God today, you take these verses. And you may have been thought to, told that you are no good and you are worthless, but you're valuable to God. God died on a cross for you. He paid your sin. And that's who you are. 
You're special to God. You know, psychologists have said, you know, that your self-worth has everything to do with the person that, you, that you, loves you the most, the person that you're the closest to. That's how you're, and if, and if that person closest to you is putting you down and, and th- makes you think that you're nothing, then your value is way down here. But you know what you need to do? You need to make Jesus your closest friend. Jesus should be your closest friend because he loved you enough to die on a cross for you. He values you. He says you're accepted in the beloved. You're adopted into his kingdom. You're, you have all the spiritual blessings and He should be the most important person in your life. God doesn't believe that you're stupid. God doesn't believe that you're worthless. He he, he doesn't believe that you deserve to be abused. God says you're valuable. You're acceptable today. You're loved by me. And you're loved by the children of God. If If you're a true child, I have to love you. Do you know that? I got some people in my church, I'm gonna tell you, they give me a terrible time. I have to love, I love them. I have to forgive them. Do you know what has helped me the most? Is when I have somebody come in my office and they start chewing me out or telling me that I've done something wrong and, you know, Pastor, you're all wet and wet. And, I, and all of a sudden I, I stop and I pray and I say, God, Jesus, give me your eyes. Jesus, move me over to your perspective so I can see this person. And you know, every time God does it. And you know what I see? I see a person that's broken, a broken vessel, a person that hasn't dealt with their abuse of the past. And all of a sudden, I can have compassion for that person. Even though they're coming against me, I can say, I love you. Because I see your brokenness. We're all broken. We're all dysfunctional. Did you know that? I came from a dysfunctional family. Did you? If you didn't, please, I'd like to see you after the service. <laughs> I have yet to meet one. We'll find something wrong with it. I tell you. If you're honest, <laughs> I'll guarantee you. Jesus paid a great price. So we could be free. We can be free. Please stand with me. I'd just like you to bow your heads now and close your eyes. We're not going to have an altar call such, but right where you are, there's an altar in front of you. And I don't know what Jesus wants to do in your life today, but I I pray that he'll touch your heart. I pray he'll change your heart. I, I pray that if you've got an abused heart, that he'll allow you to forgive and start the process. It's a process of forgiveness. That you'd be obedient to him so that this bitterness would not ruin your life in the days ahead. Anger and resentment and bitterness. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Garden Community Church. What a privilege it is to be here today and to speak the word to them. God, I pray for everyone here Lord, that you'll speak to their hearts in a special way. And if there's some unforgiveness that they've harbored in their heart against something happened years and years ago, but it's it's controlling their life, help them to let go of it, Lord. Let you be the judge. Let you be the one who holds them accountable. And let them be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.